Welcome to Ride Home Reactions, the 20-minute show where we react to the movie we just saw. Why 20 minutes? Because that's how long it takes us to drive home. I'm David Els, video production guy for InTheCarMedia.com. And I am Jill Rogatti, theater lady from SoapAndRopeTheater.com. We saw a movie on our first date and liked talking about it together so much that we got married. Was it worth it? You decide! Hello. Hello. <clears throat> we just saw The Shape of Water. We did. On the count of three, we'll give our one to ten rating. One, one two, two, three, three nine. nine. We tied. We tied. The first place. That was a good movie. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like a good old-fashioned... Fairy tale. Yeah, like love story. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me a lot of Amelie. Yeah. Similar... You know, Amelie had lower stakes, but very similar uh, stylistic choices. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of green, like Amelie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a lot with color. Yeah. And was, which, <coughs> excuse me, I have a little bit of a cold, everybody. Uh, I apologize. I apologize. I'm also getting out of a parking garage, so forgive my stuttering commentary. Um, Little known fact, Jill stutters when she's in parking garages. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Uh, no, I think that, yeah, that, that's a common thing, you know, to use color really in a strong way. Um, but sometimes I feel like directors do it kind of cheaply. They're uh, like, oh, if I throw some red things in there, that will mean that I'm thinking about this deeply and Guillermo would never do that he would never <laughs> he's wonderful I all that to say I think he used um, the choice with green and then the green started to take uh, red started to take the place of green as the movie went oh I didn't notice that uh-huh. she like after they meet each other for the first time and have their first interaction in the bus ride home her face is like glowing orangey red uh-huh. and then she goes to work the next day with a red headband instead of oh, a green one. Okay. And then as it progresses, one day she goes in completely red. Like uh, her whole outfit uh, is red and she buys the red shoes and, uh, um, and of course, all the blood. Uh, so, Yeah, and you know, there was some blood. There, uh, this is a, there so, will be blood. So for people who listen to this and haven't seen the movie or listen to this potentially as a way to weigh whether they should see it or not, this is a very gory movie. Is it? Not, yes, this is very gory. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of uh, like fingers that are oh, severed sure. and then that are <clears throat> I see. blackening it's over cringy. time. It's cringy. It's cringy. It's not people, very people gory. People who don't like Oops. bad things happening to other people's bodies. Maybe steer clear of this movie. Okay, here we go, guys. Ticket time. Um, please insert the ticket with the strip side up. Here I go. Please drive ahead. Okay. Doing so good. Whoa, she's driving with her elbow? Oh, you're driving. Oh, my, in, my inner upper arm. <clears throat> no, I, I hear what you're saying. When, when there are moments of violence, they are... Extreme. Extreme. And that, I felt like, was exactly like... The uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh-huh. People came out of that being like, it was so violent. And you're uh-huh. like, 
Well, <laughs> I actually would say that it's not very violent, except for the couple moments that there is violence, and yeah. then it's very violent. Yeah. Which I would rather that. Mm-hmm. Instead of today, uh, it's very common to have movies that, if they're violent movies, you expect there to be violence, kind of extreme violence from start to finish. But not, this is an odd phrase, not very creative violence. Sure, just and repetitive like, and minor. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like his is very creative, and therefore, really... Uh, gets your gut yeah all right everybody here i go master driver podcaster (laughs) all right the whole time i was kind of thinking of it in terms of a fairy tale because the characters were so clearly drawn yeah you know like the bad the evil guy (laughs) the bad guy Mm -hmm. the the princess which they kind of start with almost like she's sleeping beauty because she's floating down in her little um sleepy waterland and the prince and almost like a fairy godmother and her neighbor. Right. <laughs> I don't know. No, that makes sense. I just feel like there are kind of lots of those stock, but it's an, a fairy tale for fairy tale for adults. Yeah. I guess I was saying that cuz I was a little worried in this one that I had built my expectations up too much. <laughs> yeah. I really love Del Toro and the the few previews that I saw before I started to block my ears and hum through the previews. Meaning that Jill doesn't like I to see too much of that movie. I don't like to see previews. Yeah. Um I was afraid that, that the preview showed me everything because the previews are like 15 minutes long now and that I had too much hopes for it. And so partway through, I think I was a little bit like, ah, there's nothing surprising about this plot. Yeah. And then I was like, well, that's maybe the point. Like, I think if I'm thinking about this movie in terms of it's a fairy tale, that I don't think the point is to surprise you. You know, I think the bad guys are bad guys and the yeah. good guys are good guys and love ultimately prevails so i guess if you are thinking of it in terms of a fairy tale with the stock characters i enjoy that she like if we talk about game of thrones and how much we enjoy the characters with disabilities Uh or limitations often end up being um the ones who prevail right (laughs) um and i think that's there's a similar theme in this one um yeah there's a lot of uh characters in this who feel incomplete mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins says I don't know if I was born too early or too late referencing his skills and passion are painting so he feels like now oh, photographers that, was Jenkins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guy you met once remember I checked into his room Oh dear. Um, he had a lot more facial hair. Yeah. So, you know, he he's now being replaced by photographers, but he's maybe too early and then he senses that maybe homosexuality will be more uh, mm-hmm. accepted in the future. So mm-hmm. there's yes, that, that line character stuck that, in my head that, too. His, that line typifies him pretty well. Sally Hawkins, of course, being mute. Ugh. And she did a great job. She did she a wonderful really job. She studied a lot of uh you know, deaf community people. Like it was uh, mm-hmm. very believable. I, I kept forgetting that yeah, that was actually her. Like her she lot in life. was very at ease expressing herself that way. Yeah. Um, so, and then I, I like that her, uh, you know, childhood uh, injury yeah. in her neck to her vocal cords that ended up being what allowed her to breathe underwater at the end. Which I. In the beginning, was like oh, they look like gills, so I was so uh-huh. like, that was another pat myself on the back moment. Yeah, I was like, no, wow, they are. <laughs> yeah, that was a really nice detail. So, what others see as our weakness 
is actually our strength. And then if you take the Samson metaphor, and I feel like the the villain was comparing himself to Samson. Yeah. Um, and instead of his hair being cut, his fingers are cut off. Right. Um, and so it's not like he's born lacking something other than maybe decency. <laughs> and he tries to, once he does lose those fingers, he tries to stitch them back on. Yeah. But they just rot off his body because he doesn't have anything good on the inside. <laughs> and it's like the green so much is representing kind of like life and organic. And desire, desire, I think, he, as well. Uh-huh. And then this pus in his fingers when he squeezes them out and yeah. we all cringe a bunch with all green. So there's kind of a, a nice like the two representations of green as far as the color green goes I wonder what you think of this idea the key lime pie was green the candy was green the teal car was green these were things that characters who were incomplete emotionally kept feeding themselves so Richard Jenkins kept going to this Mm. crappy diner Mm -hmm. eating this food that he couldn't finish just with the hopes that he might be able to strike up a conversation with this younger man. And uh, the villain keeps eating these cheap candies and, yeah, buying status symbols because he, like a lot of men, feels woefully insufficient. So always trying to put a band-aid on that insecurity. Yes, I like that. So... So when Sally Hawkins was wearing green, she was also kind of just trying to put a bandaid on it. It wasn't as obvious. Like, the the green candies and the key lamp pie, that's like, there's like a spotlight on those moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas it's a little more subtle with just her wardrobe choices. For yeah. Her and just like tones of her house. But, like, but when she finds uh, love and when she's giving life to another being... That's when you notice the color palette starting to change towards red, uh-huh. which I think is is more of a life essence. Blood is yeah, yeah, red, and that's just more of a real kind of way of looking at it. Like green is kind of you know we could look at plants like that, but it also could be and kind of sickly. Like the green flakes that they put in the tub for him, uh-huh. that the doctor says like he needs this. It's ultimately not sustainable. <clears throat> yeah, it's not really what he needs, but it's something that kind of keeps him going. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And they made his little healing inside twinkle lights um, blue. Yeah. So that, you know, that I think, not that they're red or anything. I think red would have maybe seemed a little scary, but (laughs) um, they're not green. So that kind of goes along with... So I like that the other, everything else in the movie... It's green and red in terms of what's significant color-wise. Right. And then the blue, I think, shows the supernatural. Oh, yeah, this sure, is not, sure. It's not either temporary, it's not, you know, primal, like red. It's it's kind of otherworldly. Uh-huh. The kind of 1950s TV thing was interesting. I liked it. David, talk more about that, please. <laughs> you mean when Sally Hawkins... In that brief moment when she's well, and she's always table. watching. You know, like the the TV is set to, um, you know, um, African Americans being hosed down in the streets, and uh-huh. Richard Jenkins says, "Turn, I can't watch that." 
change the channel. Yeah. And he changes it to something really nice and lovely, like mm. Shirley Temple tap dancing with Bojangles. Bojangles up the stairs. But there, but he always has that on on the TV and the just the kind of the glamour. I was just I I have not. My brain can't think thoughts about that right now. So, David, uh, go for you know, it. I think. <laughs> don't that... you love in these podcasts when I set David up to answer the things <laughs> I don't know the answer to? <laughs> David, well, go. So, at the beginning of the movie, <clears throat> Richard Jenkins kind of feels sorry for himself and just kind of is an escapist kind of person. Mm. And so, you know, he doesn't want to grapple with what's happening outside, which is violence against black people in the streets mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. so he would rather he's sheltering himself shelter himself but yeah. then uh, Sally Hawkins character brings him with this thing this is this matters to me his uh, his moment of deciding to help her that was I think when I was sort of moved to tears in the movie oh David did you cry? just a little bit I had some brim, brimmy tears briny brimmy like they are I was brimming <laughs> I know but briny like the sh- they were like not the salty <laughs> Zero salt content in my No tears. salt water. And they didn't uh, have a shape. <laughs> uh, I... Were you finished? Yes. I really enjoyed that... How much Sally Hawkins' character was very um, comfortable with herself. Mm-hmm. There was You didn't sense from her that something was horribly missing in her life. Mm-hmm. Before she meets this fish man. You know? Like... Maybe she seems lonely, and maybe we think, feel sympathetic. I think we're supposed to her. see loneliness. But I, but I feel like she's relatively content with her who she is. Not that she isn't lonely, but she kind of with her neighbor being the yeah. foil to that. I know what you mean. I feel like he's insecure, and he wants to be something else, and he doesn't like the thing that's a part of him that makes him different. Yeah. Whereas she has embraced it, and um, you know, I think. There's kind of a joy to her morning routine where we see her in the beginning. You know, she's okay with her status in life. She's mm. comfortable with her sexuality. Like, it mm. establishes all that stuff right away. Yeah, that's true. And he's self-conscious about his hair. And he's uncomfortable with, you know, that he doesn't have a job. And that, you know, I feel... I sense much more self-assuredness in her yeah, character. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Um, and again, if you're thinking about it in a fairy tale. I like the fact that the main the the woman character is starts out not missing needs a man to no, <laughs> kind of make her true. whole. It's like she she is who she is and she's very happy about that and then she happens to just meet someone else who is who he is, you know. Yeah, Richard Jenkins definitely is the one who goes on an arc in mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. And she just happens to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. She to, she saves the prince in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Which is also fun. Right. She saves the man. And then he saves her at the end. That's true. Equality in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that mm, that's interesting though. Because typically when you have a main character, the one that you're following is the one who goes through the change. Mm-hmm. Or the biggest change. And that would definitely be Richard Jenkins. I have to point out a Christ imagery moment. At the end, the villain, Michael Shannon, you know, tries to kill the merman, and the merman just kind of shrugs it off because he can heal. He regenerates very quickly, and then the merman kills him. 
And right before that, Michael Shannon's character um, says, you are a god, which is what one of the Roman soldiers says to Jesus right before he dies, ah. or right before Jesus dies. But, you know, it's a death scene. So, you know, a Roman soldier being kind of the enemy to Jesus and acknowledging in that moment of, ah, this person that I think I am subjugating is actually so much more powerful than I can imagine. Yeah. So I appreciated that that moment. I feel like we didn't talk at all about Delilah. Oh, I enjoyed quite a bit as well. Yeah, Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. was great in this. She sort of gives us an idea of what um, somebody who's trying to keep their head down at work is like. Uh, and I like that both of them being the help. The villain, Michael Shannon, never tries to... Uh, no, he, he never suspects them. You're right. Because he thinks so low of them. And he's imagining a strike team of ten right. men, like Russian men, doing this. He could not possibly imagine... Even though they're not that subtle in the way they right. handle this, they're not skilled. The power of being powerless. Well, we're getting gas, and so this is as good a time as any to wrap up. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I feel like there's a lot more to say about this one. This is one that I will enjoy talking about beyond this recording. Jealous, guys? Jealous. There's, yeah, there's a lot more, so if anybody wants to, like, chime in... <laughs> Call us. We'll have. See where I'm pointing? <laughs> Write your comment right here. Our lines will be open 24 7. Yep. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to go pump some gas. I'm sticking with my 9 to no, 10. Me too. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>